Genesis chapter 18. Verse 17 and 18. And 19. Set your scene. This is the Lord appearing to Abraham on the plain uh, right before the angels are going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19 is what we want today. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Sometimes I struggle to come up with titles for messages. I've got to do it, put it online. Um, I think my family's tired of me taking a poll after each church uh, service. So if I had to title this one, um, it, it should make you uncomfortable. Men, it's time to step up. I'll repeat that. Men, it is time to step up. Lord said to Abraham here, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Whose responsibility is it in your household and in your family to teach, to lead, to set the example about keeping the way of the Lord to do justice and to do judgment. Men, there is no one else you can look to other than yourself. If you are a husband, whether you have children or not, you have one that you are responsible for and your wife to lead, to teach, to set the example. If you have children, you have double duty. If your children are grown, you still have grandchildren and adult children. You cannot command them the same way when they're not under your roof, but you can still give godly counsel and advice. And whenever you're with your grandchildren or great-grandchildren, it is your responsibility. Okay, I cannot overstate this. There is a pattern... I think across most Christian denominations in America where the driving force in families tend to be the wives. Men, this is to our shame. Men, we need to step up. Now, sisters, don't check out on this sermon. <laughs> Everything that I say applies to you as well in a little bit different context, but the ultimate burden and responsibility falls first on the men. You say, well, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I may just be a kid. Learn now. Watch dad. Watch grandpa. So that one day when you are a husband, a father, or grandpa, you'll be ready to lead. Okay? Then, we need to step up. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
Very familiar passage. Easy to read. Very different to live it out. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Let's read through 9. This is Moses giving an exhortation to all the nation of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. How many hours of the day are covered in that? All of them. If you're awake, you're teaching. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. They shall be frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. That's probably far enough. We can keep going, but for today. Two... Instructions. One involves you. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thine might. And these words shall be in thine heart. And, part two, thou shalt teach diligently unto thy children shall talk of them when thou sittest in that house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand whatsoever you're doing you should be doing things that are consistent with loving the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul mind and body living out that which you're teaching at home so much so that it's like those words are written on your hand. Bind them for a frontlets between your eyes. What am I seeing? I'm seeing the world through the Word of God. I'm understanding things based on the Word of God rather than taking the world and trying to go to the Word of God with that. Right? That's backwards. Something that's between your eyes. You see that a lot, right? This is not something that you go put up on the wall. All right, we got a scripture up on the wall at home. And close that closet door and we don't go in there anymore. <laughs> right? That's not the illustration. The word picture is it's always there. You ever wore a pair of sunglasses that were new and you forgot to take off the sticker? <laughs> Can you ever not see that sticker? Maybe you're driving, you ain't got time to pull over and scratch it off. It's always there. Huh? That's annoying. This is not annoying. But that's the illustration. It's always there. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. Uh, Jews today have little boxes that they will nail to their doorpost. And they'll put a little scripture in there. And you can see them you know, touching it as they go by. That's a literal attempt at applying this. 
The more important thing is that Scripture should be lived out in every aspect of your life. Every time you're walking into your home, someone should know that a follower of Jesus Christ lives there. Not because of how you've decorated it, but by how you live there. Okay? <coughs> Men, we have to step up. We have to teach. Can you teach if you have not planted those words? And I don't mean born again, but I mean internalized, looked, studied, learned the Word of God yourself. Can you teach? No, that's like trying to sow a field and you forgot to go plant this, pick up the seeds from the store. Good luck. You can walk out there shaking your hand all the day, but if your hand's got no seeds in it, how are you going to teach? Right? you got to learn it yourself. Then you've got to live it yourself. Head knowledge is not useful alone. Okay? Pharisees had a lot of head knowledge, and they applied it in a real whitewashed kind of fashion, right? It looked pretty, but it wasn't really being lived out. Live it out. As you learn something in Scripture and you see that's an area of my life, well, I have not yet applied that, what do you got to do? Apply it! Are you going to do it perfectly? No! Keep going! Keep going! Now, you may object, because we got good excuses, don't we, dads? Husbands? Well, I'm just not comfortable. That's not me. I haven't learned enough. I'm not... She's really better at it anyway, right? All right. Let's talk about comfort. How many of y'all, by a show of hands, were, the first, were, were comfortable the first time you ever drove a car? Or vehicle, or tractor, or whatever it is. The very first time. Were any of you comfortable? No. And when the first time you drive a car, it ain't going to be comfortable. But, do you get more comfortable by watching Mama and Daddy drive the car? No, you don't. You may think, okay, I've seen them doing it. But you know how you get more comfortable? Drive it yourself. Experience. I remember being 16 and thinking, man, I look forward to getting past this stage when everything is uncomfortable. Every motion is thought out. Where is the signal? Okay, where is the mirror? And it's just like you're just struggling. Sometimes when you start teaching your children the Bible or working with your wife in the Bible and trying to obey, it's about this uncomfortable. Keep going. Okay? Experience is what's going to make it more comfortable. Okay? So, well, isn't that the preacher's job? Short answer is no. But let's take this driving illustration and say, you ask your dad, Dad, I need shoes. Can you take me to Walmart? Well, son, I've got driver's ed on Monday. Let's hope he'll come by the house and take us to Walmart, and then we'll go back. You say, that'd be ludicrous, Dad. We can't wait for the driver's ed teacher to take us to Walmart. You're right. I'm the driver's ed teacher, okay? I can show you for an hour, but the rest of the week, who's got to go home and drive? You do! And it'd be even more silly if, you know, Dad's standing there next to a car, right? It's gassed up and filled. I'm just not comfortable driving that car, son. You say, Dad, that's ridiculous! Yeah, Dad, it's ridiculous if you don't teach your children. If you don't have children, it's ridiculous if you're not teaching and studying 
with your wife. Have grandchildren. When your grandchildren come over, and that will soon, <laughs> right? Are you teaching it? Is your home a spot where the word is discussed? Let's talk about foundations. You know what vanity means, right? Lightweight, fluff, idle. How many conversations do we have that have no meaning, no bearing, no lasting impact? I'm going to describe those as soap bubble conversations, right? Georgia Bulldogs, Alabama. We love them. Everything we say about them is a soap bubble conversation. It has no lasting impact, right? Try and build a house on soap bubbles. Come back a week later. Soap bubbles are fun, right? You chase them around. Right? But try and build a house on them. Whereas when you've got a, a weighty conversation, a teachable moment with a child who's clearly not doing right, and rather than just snapping at them, you get down and you look at the, their face and you teach them what the Word of God says and why you expect what you expect and why you try to demonstrate that. Or flip it around. Maybe you've messed up. Y'all ever done that? You know, a child can learn a whole lot from your mistakes if you're willing to acknowledge that it's a mistake and teach them how you should have done better and why. Because here's the standard. Right? Teachable moments. That's something I want you to think about. What is a teachable moment? Guess what? This said when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're waking up and when you're lying down, you have a plethora, a multitude of opportunities for teachable moments. Right? And that's what you need to look at. Is this a teachable moment? Well, are you breathing? Probably is. Well, I've got other more important things to do. Really? We need to reevaluate our priorities. Right? It takes a whole lot longer, doesn't it, boys, for me to properly teach you when you're in trouble than for me to snap at you and send you to a room. Right? But they've told me a secret. They probably wish they won't. They've requested they'd rather get spanked. <laughs> Than have to have the talking to. <laughs> right? But it, I'm not just talking to Yammer, but the talking of, I'm your parent. I love you. You must obey. Here's why. This is what God expects. Here's why. It's the here's why that's the most important. And doing that coolly so you can get your point across. Who likes to be taught, to, taught at while you're being screamed at? Right? If someone is eyes are bulging out and they're just about ready to, you feel like you're going to get your head ripped off. Are you ready to learn and listen? No, you want to fly away. You want to escape, right? And so we need to be mindful that there's a difference we, way we approach situations when we're teaching versus when we're just reacting, right? All right. So men, you got to teach. You got to feed yourself. To have something to teach, but you have to teach. And you have to live out what you teach. We can spot a hypocrite at a mile away, right? The one who says, well, don't do that, that's awful. And then you turn around and they're doing that behind the building. What? What happens to your credibility in that situation? Right? You're going to study it. You're going to teach it. Got to be consistent with it. Live it out. 
to teach. Can you just randomly open up the Bible, read a passage, close it up, and say, okay, we're done. We did Bible study. Can you physically? Yeah, sure, you could. But how much good is being done? Boys and I got to have dinner last night. I could have taken that meat out of the freezer, frozen. I could have thumped it on their plate and said, enjoy. You just got to thaw it out, cook it, cut it, and eat it. If you're coming to the Word with no advanced preparation, it's like grabbing a frozen steak out of the freezer and chewing it and throwing it on somebody and say, chew on it. Okay? Paul would describe the difference between those who are ready for meat versus those who still need milk, right? The idea is that you don't have to make it as hard as physically possible. And obviously, if we are coming at it with no preparation, we're being lazy, right? Plan what you want to teach. Now, there are times when you're just reacting to what's going on in that moment. Teach then. But there needs to be a plan of, okay, we're going to have family time, family devotion time. Each day should be the goal. Will you make it each day? Maybe not. But let that be the goal. Don't shoot for, we'll do it once this month. Right? Shoot for every day. And if you get five out of seven days, good. That's probably five more than you're doing right now. Right? Aim for it. But don't just come into a cult. Come in with some preparation. You know how many hours I prepare before we have Bible study? Every Wednesday night and every Wednesday afternoon and every Tuesday morning and every Tuesday uh, second morning, right? I've, I've got four scheduled every week that are not with my children necessarily, but with a group. And there's hours that go into that, okay? If you don't spend at least 10 minutes looking at what you want to talk about, thinking about it from a child's perspective, what are these big words that they don't know? What are these big words that I don't know, Right? If you've looked those up and you've got an answer, then you'll be ready when that question is asked. What does that mean? What's a different way that I could express this to make it easier to be understood, right? It's thinking of, I want this to be understood by my child. So i got to know what it is, and then i got to think out of it from a child's perspective, right? That takes some advanced work, right? Some preparation, some planning ahead, Okay, that's, that's the difference between getting it cold out of the freezer versus, all right, I'm going to thaw it out for you. I'm going to cook it because I've been doing this longer. I know a little bit more about how to study, how to get some cross-references, how to do some dictionary things. And as the child grows up, guess what? You teach them those tools too. All right, I have different level of the size steak I can give Elliot versus a little bit. Right? Her pieces, i got to get so infinitesimally small that she can't choke on them right? because she's little. But Elliot, I can hand a knife and a fork and say, all right, here's your piece. Go to town. He's learned those tools. How do you learn those, how do you learn those things? You teach him. Right? It's the same thing with your Bible. Teach them as simple as they need, but teach them the tools along the way. You say, well, I don't have many tools. Call your driver's ed teacher. Ask him for tools. <laughs> right? The skills that you need to know, let's, let's get better at it. But you don't know what you need unless you're, not, unless you're trying, unless you're practicing, unless you're getting behind the wheel, so to speak, and putting some miles on the car. You're not going to know what you need. 
right? If you've never left the driveway, can I teach you about cruise control? No. I can teach you, but you're like, oh, what's the difference with that? I've never left the parking lot, right? So practice. Man, you must teach your families. You must live it out. You must study in order to effectively teach. Let's go over Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. If you can't find Proverbs, it's right after Psalms. And Psalms is about the middle of the Old Testament. So if you can find Psalms, go to the next one. Book of Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction to perceive words of understanding, to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation and the words of the wise and their dark sayings, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. Who's Solomon writing to? Writing to his son. Children, as much as your parents have an obligation to teach you, you, for your own good, need to listen. Open up your ears. A fool thinks he knows it all. And if you ask your parents, and they're honest, most of us in our teenage years would describe ourselves as fools. We thought we knew it all. As we grew up a little bit, we discovered how little we know. All right? that's, that's really a sign of maturity, is recognizing the limitations of our knowledge. And so, as awkward and uncomfortable as it may be, if your parents are trying to sit down, and particularly for the first time, maybe, do a Bible study with you and teach you, your attitude matters. Your attitude counts. It's for your benefit. You know the difference between a wise man and a fool? Fool? One is going to hear the instruction and get something out of it. The other is just going to roll off their back. Like duck off the water of a back, right? Water off a back's duck. Wise man wouldn't know that saying. <laughs> right? So it's for your benefit. So listen and learn. Glean. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Well, what's instruction another word for? Teaching. That implies, Father, we ought to be doing some teaching. But notice, sisters, you haven't checked out. I mean, forsake not the law of thy mother. All right? It's like a good combo in boxing. It's a one-two punch. You're working together. All right? You're saying the same thing. And so children should be heeding and listening to the messages and the teachings of their father and their mother. Okay? Particularly because they're focused around 
the Lord thy God, whom they should be loving with all their heart, soul, mind, and body, and strength, as examples, and then teaching their children about him and about his word. Now, parents, you can't change your children's hearts. Don't put that on you. But you can still train them. Okay? And the time when the Lord does change their hearts, they'll have a vast amount of information that they can draw from into his service and not be starting from scratch. So each of those weighty conversations, instead of soap, bowl, soap bubble conversations, you can be laying bricks, foundations. This is Jesus Christ. This is what he looks like. This is what he expects. This is how I live that out. Right? It's meaningful. It's significant. It has value. When I was young, before I took driver's ed, I rode around in the car with my father. Okay? Initially in the passenger seat, you know, I was old enough to sit up front. And you know what he did to me? He talked to me. Often it was about driving. But hour after hour after hour, before I had ever put my hands behind the wheel myself, I have been introduced to many, 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 many different rules of the road, things to watch out for, how to respond to different situations. And so I had a lot of background knowledge before I ever tried myself. And then our, our, our sweet seat swapped, and he sat on the other side, and I spent many, 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 many hours as he's talking to me. And now I'm driving, and we experienced a whole lot of scary stuff together. <laughs> Not necessarily because I was an idiot, but there was just a lot. Well, there was some, a lot of them coming at us, right? I mean, we, we, had, we had drunk drivers coming at us. We had people turning when they ought not be turning. But because of how well he prepared me to anticipate things and how to react, and okay, if you go off on the shoulder, don't just jerk it back over, but you know, hold on to it. All those things that I'd heard over and over and over again, when it came time to apply it, he's still sitting there with me, I was able to apply it. Do you know that I had to take driver's ed for insurance purposes, right? I'm going to lower the bill. I took driver's ed. You know what my grade was? 99.95. I messed up on one thing on a driving. You know, I was trying to turn into the Walmart, and it was a red light. So I turned right, and he said, there wasn't a yield sign there, boy. You were supposed to come to a stop and then go. I, was like, I learned something. I, I missed that one point out of the whole course because my father had taught me so well, the guy had nothing new he could add. Okay? So in this illustration, you as parents need to be teaching your children so that when they come to church, they're like, oh yeah, we've heard that. Right? Now hopefully I'll bring you some new points and help you repackage it and remind you another thing. But this should not be the time when they're first introduced to the scriptures, to Bible stories, to different books, right? If you've never heard of the book of Psalms and you come to church as a child, there's a problem, right? Men, we have to step up. Now, I can say this. You can take it. You can go home. But if you don't create a plan, guess what's not going to change? By default, we don't do this, right? And so we need a plan. When are we as a men going to, one, read our Bibles ourselves, doing that 
get the steak out of the freezer, thaw it, and cook it. Right? So we've got something to teach. When are we going to do that? And then when in our routines are we going to get together with our wives, with our children, or with our grandchildren? When are we going to make that a regular, consistent habit so that we've got that structure that we can shoot for each day? Will it, will it fail sometimes? Sure. But don't throw it out the window. Right? And the more you do that, guess what? The more you'll be prepared for those individual moments when teachable moments crop up. Because guess what? They crop up more often than you think. And sometimes we're there with like the guppy face. Um, I don't really know what to show you here. Because we haven't dealt with it in advance. Right? We haven't thought it through. We haven't been in the Word. Okay, so have a plan. Do, do y'all have a plan? Before y'all came in this morning, did y'all, have a, did y'all have a plan for how you were going to make your time in the Word for yourself and then sharing it with others, whoever that is in your life, was that an intentional plan before you came in here this morning? Probably not. Now, I was really convicted uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, getting my stuff together for taxes, and I have to keep an accounting of where I go and drive in pastoral miles. And so I've got a list of it. So I could see pretty much every Bible study that I taught over the course of a year, which is great. And I looked at the number of those in a pastor role and realized the number of those in a father role where I didn't have to drive anywhere and it was most convenient was much, 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 much smaller. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm these kids' pastor. And so on Wednesday night, I'm not teaching them as their father. I'm teaching them as their pastor. But they live with me seven days a week. And so even though they hear me for several hours each week, I should still be teaching them every day as their father. And so it's to my shame that I probably could come up with about 30 over the course of the year at just home for just them versus the 160, 180 that I did in general. So my goal, and I just mentioned it, was to shoot for five days a week. Five out of seven days teaching as a father. Well, they're going to get me on Wednesday night and they're going to get me on Sunday. So I got the other two covered. But if I can do five days out of a week, you multiply that by 52 weeks, you've got 250 intentional opportunities to teach a child. That's a good thing. Guess who needs to be doing a lot of work in advance to prepare for that? Me. Is that worthwhile? Absolutely. Do I have that responsibility as a father and as a husband? Absolutely. Several years ago, when we started on this journey of a different life, um, from what we had been leaving, Megan and I made time every morning. I made time every morning for us to read together. You know what we haven't done consistently in like a year or two? That, right? She kind of does her own thing, and I'm over here studying for all sorts of other multitudes, but I'm not pouring into her as a husband. To my shame. And unless I acknowledge that, one, that's still my responsibility, and I need to be aware of it, and two, I need to prepare, make a plan, and then live it out, teach it, follow through. All right? Remember one of the qualifications for being a pastor is you have to be apt to teach? A-P-T. I could even spell that. Apt. Are you aware? A. 
that it's your responsibility to teach? Do you acknowledge that? Okay. Are you prepared to teach? Do you have a plan? P? T? Just try and teach. Apt. There's your little mnemonic device for memory. Be aware that it's your responsibility. Plan, prepare, and then do it. Teach. APT. Okay. Do you want an example? Some place to start? Because sometimes it's just overwhelming. Where do I start? Start in Proverbs. Proverbs often breaks down into couplets. Two verses that are connected together with one idea. Generally seems simple the first time you look at it, and there's generally a little bit more, or a lot more, the deeper you look at it. Start there. If you need some place. Need something that seems less challenging? Bible stories. Do the children, do your wives, do, do you know the basic Bible stories? Who's Noah? When did he live? Who's David? When did he live? Who's Methuselah? Who's Melchizedek? You know, kind of get your, your primary ones, then go down to your more obscure ones, right? Right? But don't just read it for, and this is the story, you know, and they'll live happily ever, ever, like, you know, a bedtime story, but take it deeper. How can we apply that? Is the message about David throwing a rock, it's okay to throw rocks? <laughs> if you just read the story and leave it there with the kid, he could take that well. David was chunking rocks at people, you know, particularly if they're bigger than him, right? Then a younger brother could take that the wrong way. <laughs> But taking it that extra step lesson, and you know how you're going to be able to do that? Is if you've read it in advance, you've chewed on it yourself and thought about it from a kid's perspective. Okay, what does this learn? What do we? What can I learn? What can I teach? What, how does this show about loving the Lord my God and living out His commands and His principles of justice, judgment, mercy, equity, righteousness, holiness? Right? When you start doing this, you will discover some things don't work. Whether personality or time or whatever, there's going to be obstacles. Okay? And often the obstacles are our own laziness in advance. Well, I don't have time to do that because I didn't do these other things that I knew I was going to have to do, but I didn't take care of them in advance, and so now I'm going to have to shuttle this to the side. Okay? If you want this to succeed... Remove the roadblocks that you know are going to be there. And then be flexible. Be willing to adjust. You know, I could sit down and I could deliver an hour lecture on this one verse. And you'd be bored to tears. And what would you learn from it? Maybe nothing. Other than just thinking, man, I wish he would stop. Right? Or... We could have conversations. I could ask you questions. We could do illustrations. We could do Bible charades. We could do other things to make the information stick, to warm it up, to cut it up, to break it down, right? And that's just a matter of learning your audience, learning what do they respond to. It's not to change the message. Don't get me wrong. But making the message so it can be understood 
and digested and hung on to, right? And then, as you're living your life, look for opportunities to show that, hey, you remember that thing we were talking about? You know, honesty, even in the bad situations? That clerk just gave me an extra 20. I could slide that in my pocket. Would that be the right thing to do? Asking the questions, right? And the child will probably more readily than a lot of adults say, no! Right? But a lot of adults, if you don't talk about that out loud, it's, well, well, it's like a monopoly. Bank made an error. Right? Or beware of when you undercut your own message. You say things, well, it really doesn't matter because you don't want to do something that would be hard or difficult. If on one hand you're teaching, this is really important, but in your life you're saying, well, don't worry about that. That really doesn't matter. You know, and, and, and particularly the matter of honesty. right? If you're using words like, well, that's under the table, so it doesn't count. right? What have you just undercut? A lot of lessons about honesty and integrity and being upright. Justice. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22 and 6. Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not a verse to blame children. Well, I trained him up, and he didn't go the way. It's not. And it's not a verse that says you can give spiritual life to your children. But... If you teach and you instruct and you help mold and sand and whatever imagery you want to talk about, the product of your labors will continue to exist. Okay? Our default is not obedience. Our default is not good attitudes. Our default is not peace in the home. You ever live with a teenager? That ain't the default. But to have an obedient teenager or child, one with a reasonable attitude, and to have peace in the home, or sub-teenager, or younger children, right? Whether in elementary school or middle school or high school. Right, Patrick? Requires training. Requires effort. It requires consistent discipline. Not flying off the handle because you've inconvenienced me, but because I love you and I want you to know what's right, I'm going to teach you what is right. In this moment and all the time, right? So you can choose to invest sound scriptural principles, knowledge, which is, it's a lot of effort. And it's real tempting to put other things at a higher priority. Jobs, cares around the house, whatever it is, it's easy to say, well, this is more important. Is it really? If your boss fired you tomorrow, would they find a replacement for you? 
If the house burned down tomorrow, would there be another place to live? Most likely. Can anybody replace you as husband or as father? No. You have under your charge individuals that you have the responsibility for care and training. And you need to recognize that is a high priority. I need to recognize that. And so just for practical benefits of why should I do this? Well, one, God said to. That's a good enough reason. But two, if you want there to be more peace in your house, if you want there to be better attitudes and better obedience, it requires training, discipline, effort. Will it just happen overnight? No. That's like taking a redwood, laying it down, taking a piece of sandpaper and go, all right, I'm done. I've now sanded a ship. No, it's still a raw log. And it's big. It's a big task. And all, in many ways, it's never finished. But how far will you get if you just look at it or you ignore it? It won't make any progress. And you know what tends to happen when you're trying to teach others? You learn a lot yourself. When you're trying to sand somebody else, well, we really don't need to be doing that. That's not something that's right. It's not something that's glorifying to God. When you go back and look in the mirror, what do you tend to notice? All those warts that you hadn't really cared about before. What do you have to start doing? Sanding those off. Right? So we can be consistent. Do you know who tends to mirror your personal warts? Your children. <laughs> It's the things that you do and let yourself get away with that they learn, oh, these are okay to do. You know what's going to drive you more crazy than anything else? Seeing your children do those things that you do. Right? But we're looking at it with open eyes. We have a responsibility to teach. To be able to teach, you must learn. You must learn yourself. Being willing and interested and trying and then actually going about and doing it. Being willing to adjust what you're doing. Don't be so rigid of this. We will all get up at 4 a.m. and we will do four you know, chapters of Leviticus every day. Right? Maybe that's not the best plan. And you'll probably learn that. Right? But rather than throwing the whole thing away, adjust. Be flexible. Can it get better? Yeah, and you know what? The more you do it and the more comfortable you do it, the more comfortable those that are with you will be. And it can be a lot more pleasant. So, apt. Are you aware? Or do you acknowledge that it's your responsibility to teach? You must be aware of it. You can't do anything else if you won't acknowledge that part. If you're just going to, well, it's really somebody else's responsibility, someone else's problem. It's you. It's you. <laughs> then are you prepared? Do you have a plan? When are you going to teach? What are you going to teach? What day of the week? What time? Location? How can I demonstrate that what I'm teaching is really true and important? 
Well, I'm teaching you it's important to worship God. What are we going to do Sunday? Well, I got these tickets to a football game. We'll just skip church and we'll go to that. What lesson have you taught? That the lip service you taught earlier in the week didn't really matter to you. You want to demonstrate that worshiping God is important? Show up. Show up Sunday mornings. Show up when there's Bible studies. Show up when there's uh, visiting preachers. Show up when there's cleanup days. Show up when there's fellowship opportunities. Show up when there's singing at shut-ins. These are all different ways that we serve the Lord and also by serving one another, which serves Him. Show up. That's how you demonstrate that this is important to you. We show up for things we care about. And our kids pick up on that. And our spouses pick up on that. Mike and I were watching a, a sitcom the other day. And the mother and the children go to church. But every Sunday the husband goes home. Or stays home. I just thought that was the saddest thing. And it's, it's many sillinesses with the show. But how often do we do that? How often do we say this is important but then our actions say, meh, not really. Right? What do you think people tend to learn the most from us? What we say? What we do? I can take a quiz. I, I, I preached a bunch of sermons last year. I could start quizzing you to see if you remember the substance of more than four of them or more than ten of them. And I, I suspect that we'd both be disappointed. <laughs> But if you've seen those messages lived out, it sticks with you longer, right? You know that you can look and see that message is being lived out day after day after day. Men, we got to do that. Again, whether it's for our spouses, children, grandchildren, just those that we interact with in general. We need to look at our, our manner of life and say, when I am around other people... Am I just blowing soap bubbles? Is that my whole day? Is that the value that I'm adding to those around me? Or am I laying out these weighty bricks of edification? Edification, that's a good preacher word. It means to build up. Am I building up others? Or am I just wasting people's time in my own time? All right, so we're aware, we're planning, we're preparing, we're studying for ourselves. So we have something to share. Removing those obstacles that we know are going to be problems in advance. And then T, so APT, act. Aware, plan, teach. Do it. Open up your faces and teach. Get behind the wheel, start driving. You're uncomfortable. Okay. Do it more. Do it more. Do it more. Don't depend on spouse. Don't depend on mom and daddy. Take responsibility for ourselves. Be willing and ready to teach. One day, I hope my boys and little girl will have children of their own. And you know what I'm going to want you to do? Teach your children. You could teach them many things. There's a wealth of information out there, and you could spend time messing with your phone for hours and hours and hours a day. And guess what many of us do? <clears throat> Looking at soap bubbles. 
So I don't have any time in the day to read my Bible or to talk to my children about that. Go look at your screen time. I bet you could find some time that you could cut out or repurpose. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them. Men, we need to step up. It's our responsibility. We should not be in the passenger seat of our families. We should be in the driver's seat of this is the way. This is the path that our Lord and Savior has prepared. He's the author and finisher of our faith. This is the way our family is going to go. I am going to command my children and instruct my whole household. This is the way. There's a lot of easy turnoffs that we could take, but because I'm the father and the husband, this is the way we're going to go. I'm not going to be the one suggesting, let's take the easy way. Set the tone for your family. Set the tone for your relationship. This is where our family is going. And then live it out. Teach. And it doesn't just have to be, all right, we are now sitting down for Bible study for 15 minutes today. I am now teaching you. And okay, we're done. Made it through it. Right? When you're in your house, when you're in the way, when you're laying down, when you're rising up, you have a lot of opportunities to teach. Car rides, you know what you got? My dad discovered this. You got a captive audience. <laughs> he imparted all sorts of information to me. Now, we have an understanding. I can take a lot of his information in. I can pick and choose the pieces that I want, and we just let the rest flow on. But he poured into me. We need to pour into others, and we need to be pouring good stuff, the weighty stuff, the real stuff. Hopefully this has given you some encouragement. Hopefully it's challenged you a little bit. Um, Don't let the day end without thinking of a plan. Who am I responsible for? Again, we all have different situations. Who am I obligated to teach and who would be a good thing for me to teach? You know, kind of that different tiers. Am I ready to teach? Answers, no, go, go study. <laughs> what am I going to teach? Right? Have a plan. And then try and live it out. Because guess what, guys? If, if you come in here on Sunday morning and you listen to me yammer for an hour and nothing happens in your life different, we're both wasting our time, right? We come here so we can be better servants of the Lord. And if we don't change from coming in to going out and living. Are we growing? Or are we like a stagnant puddle? Right? Not really good for anything and just kind of evaporating. Right? We need that inflowing living water. We need to continue to grow. We want to be yeah, living water, running water. Right? So we've got so much that, we're, that the Lord is pouring into us through His Word that we can just keep dipping out cup after cup after cup for others. And it doesn't even feel like we're, we're losing anything, right? That's a very different mindset. Then what is the minimum I can do to get away with this? Right? So men, let's step up. Thank you.